Hi, this is Kristen Cabrera, reporter-producer from the Texas Standard. One of the coolest things about working on the show is getting to tell stories from my community, like this one I did on high school UAL Mariachi. But you know, this is Texas. You'd be hard-pressed to go a week without hearing. Dun-dun! Listen anytime to the Texas Standard, wherever you get your podcasts. From KUT and KUTX Studios. Hey there, you're listening to This Song, the podcast where artists talk about the songs that formed and transformed them. I'm your host, Elizabeth McQueen, and for a decade of my life, I was a touring musician with the band Asleep at the Wheel, and my favorite moments were always before or after the gig when people would sit around and play the music they were into and tell you why they loved it. I got off the road a couple of years ago. But I still long to talk to musicians about music, and so I created this podcast because, in my opinion, musicians are the most beautiful when they're talking about the music that changed them. This week, you'll hear an interview I did in 2018 with Beth Ditto. Beth Ditto was the singer in Gossip. And in 2017, she released a solo record called Fake Sugar, and I was inspired to revisit this episode for a couple of reasons. First, I just love this episode and it brings me joy. And like I said in the last episode where I reran an interview I did with Liz Fair, I'm all about finding joy wherever I can these days. It was such a pleasure to make this episode. And I love talking to Beth Ditto. She was so fun to talk to. We connected about both being from Arkansas. Yes, Beth Ditto is from Arkansas and so am I. And we connected around our shared love of Nina Simone. And I was reminded of our interaction after I joined a Netflix party last week to watch the documentary about Nina Simone called What Happened, Miss Simone. Okay, so just a little aside in case you don't know, a Netflix party is this cool thing where you download an extension to your Chrome browser and you can watch a film from Netflix with a group of people at the same time and you can all chat with each other in a little text box on the side of the screen. And this particular Netflix party was hosted by Taylor Wallace, who's a DJ here at KUTX, the radio station in Austin, Texas, where we make this podcast. And it was this wonderful, tragic tale about the life of one of my favorite singers. And when I spoke to Beth Ditto in 2018, she told me about a Nina Simone song that changed her life. Um, I picked I picked Mississippi Goddamn. You know that song, Nina Simone? Oh, yeah. The name of this tune is Mississippi Goddamn. Because of how powerful the words are and how sadly relevant they're still today. And I mean every word of it. Alabama's got me so upset. Tennessee made me lose my rest. And everybody knows about me. deeply political and it was written in 1964 and like on the civil rights movement was like like really taking off and like really building up steam but also like when it was very violent and very dangerous for african-american people living especially in the south hound dogs on my trail school children sitting in jail black cat cross my path i think every day is gonna be my last the, the Klan was still very, 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 like, violent and vibrant and, like, living and active. 
And, like, there were a lot of murders and, like, the Birmingham bombing. And um, she wrote this song in response to all of the things that were going on. Don't tell me, I'll tell you. Me and my people just about do. I've been there so I know. You keep on saying, go slow. It's not even as sad as it is angry. The frustration about it is what I love the most. But that's just the trouble. Washing the windows, picking the cotton, you're just plain rotten, you're too damn lazy, you think it's crazy. Where am I going? What am I doing? I don't know. I don't know. You know, it's just to the point where you say, and so southern, too, to be like, God damn. And I was already really politically, like, motivated and, like, really felt um, like I was a part of some kind of resistance, like, ever since I was a little kid. But that song, this was when I was in my early 20s, really made me think. Um, it really connect, I really connected to it. Like, there's a line that says, you don't have to live next to me, just give me my equality. And, like, I remember hearing that line and just being, like, it, just feeling something and just completely... I don't know, it just changed me. I don't know, you don't have to live next to me. Just give me my equality. Everybody knows about Mississippi. Everybody knows about Alabama. Everybody knows about Mississippi. That's it! I was just like, yes, exactly. You don't have to agree with me. You don't have to like me. But you will treat me, you know, I will be your equal. And whether you like it or not, we are equal. So I did I did really relate to it. And I think that was part of the reason was because of being gay and growing up in the South. Do you remember the first time you heard it? Uh, you know, it might have been on a mixtape someone gave me. I, I think someone gave it to me because I was from the South and I definitely was fresh from there and had so much resentment and so much anger. And, like, couldn't really, I don't know, articulate it or, like, hadn't really, it was just still very fresh and raw. Um, but at the same time, it was, it was funny because I didn't know I had an accent until I moved away. And, like, um, so it's funny. It's, like, the thing that kind of made me crazy is also the thing that people also loved <laughs> at the same time. Because <laughs> I realized how country I was. And I still realize how country I am. Like, still. It's funny, but that song... It really helped me, I don't know, make sense of my own feelings, even though it's like about a completely different issue. And, you know, like I am a white, straight looking girl from Arkansas. And definitely that had its has its incredible privileges. And I'm super aware. But that song really, I felt really connected to. Had you ever heard Nina Simone before you heard that song? I had before I heard that song, but I hadn't heard that song. And I definitely hadn't heard her in Arkansas. I think the first time, actually, the first time I heard Nina Simone, I want to say it was um, Four Women was the first song I ever heard. My skin is black. My arms are long. My hair is woolly. 
back is strong Strong enough to take the pain Inflicted again and again What do they call me? My name is Aunt Sarah And my roommate, who actually, my, the, my ex, who my ex-wife, is the person who played it for me. Um, but I remember, and I thought she was a man, which, I, which also was super intriguing to me and made me really, really happy. And she's like one of my favorite singers for that reason, because she doesn't have, you know, she's not Aretha. But the other thing that she has is like this charisma and this mysticism about her and also this blatant activism. There was no, it wasn't this pop culture love. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like she was breaking into like the top 40 every other day. It wasn't Motown. It wasn't, it, it was classically trained, beautiful piano and an education that she definitely had to fight for, you know. Like, it wasn't easy for her to get. And I think North Carolina is where she's from. She's from one of the Carolinas. And I also think she was somebody who was running away. Coming up after the break, Beth Ditto explores the reasons she had to leave the place where she grew up. Like I said earlier, Beth Ditto is from Arkansas, but... She left the state to move to Olympia, Washington, when she was 18. One of the many reasons she left, she said, was because of the overt racism that surrounded her. You know, like, my, I remember the vice principal of our school, and there was, um, like, a, one black kid in our whole shop class. And, um, and, you know, he didn't give a shit, and neither did I, and neither did most people in that class. But he really got singled out, of course. And um, his, I remember the vice principal was also a shop teacher. And I remember overhearing him in the office saying one day, um, I don't know why, you know, he could set such a good example for his race. And that's, I remember just being like, oh, like, fuck this and f- like, fuck the fuck that guy. And just, I remember being like, like this, I got to get out of here. <laughs> like, um, but that, I mean, that wasn't the only one, but like, that's just kind of the environment that I grew up in. Like racism was just, it was and, you know, like, not that it's over, but it was just like, I, I just knew that I couldn't stick around there. And that mindset, though not as prevalent as it was when she was there, still remains strong in certain parts of the state. You and- know, when I was driving through, the last time I was there in Arkansas, the last time we were there, I was driving. Um, and they were just like, we we're on our way. To, I, think it's, I think it's Harrison. Is it Harrison? On the way to Branson. And there, it's just like white power billboards, like billboards that are just like one literally read diversity is white genocide. Oh god. For real. And the other one said um white pa- white power radio. <gasps> like for real. I mean you're just like driving through just driving to Branson. You know, you're just trying to go on vacation and like it's I just it, it, like I think my sister told me I'm not really sure what the statistics are, but that it has the highest like clan activity in Arkansas. It also it has one of the biggest Mexican populations in Arkansas. So I'm just like God. That's um, wild. It's just so upsetting. Like you know, like not just upsetting, but it's like infuriating. But yeah, so that's I'm just like, man, this is why I don't fucking live here, man. <laughs> this is why I don't live here. 
she got out of Arkansas, and she had a 17-year career with gossip, and she and the band toured the world. She got married in 2013, and then, around the same time, her relationship and her band broke up, and she found herself returning to the home she had been running away from for all those years. You know, I had this thing happen, like my wife and I aren't together anymore. In like a couple years ago, I had this really sad, you know, experience with her before we broke up. And it was just really like, it's all over the record. And it was just a really dark time. And I, I just knew all I, you know, I had to be away. We had to split for a while. So I moved, I didn't move. I went back to Arkansas for like a month. And I just sat in my sister's house and my sister and my mother live literally across the yard from each other and so um I just sat at my like I just needed to be around them and just to feel some like familiarity and some comfort and to feel far away from my problems and the heartbreak that I was going through was all over the record and like I felt really grateful to my mom and my sister for I don't know not just not taking care of me like it wasn't like I was this weak flower you know I got up every morning with my niece. I drove her to school every day. I got her dressed every day. I picked her up every day. And it was just a really great distraction. And I felt useful, you know. Um, I could, like, go with my mom on the weekends to, like, stores and, like, you know, like, to garage sales or whatever. And it just gave me this connection to home that I needed and forgot about, that your family is really important, even if you're not, you know, even if they live in this place that you can't that just you can't survive in or thrive in and they can it's like it doesn't mean anything they're still your family i just felt like it was like this reconnecting i think you can really tell on the record i don't think it was a conscious decision but when i look back at it i think that's why is because that's when i really started to conceptualize it like writing the songs and the melodies and a line here and a line there just like down there when I was having a really hard time and you had gone through kind of more than one breakup right I mean you you were breaking up with your wife and then your kind of best friend and musical collaborator Nathan yeah Nathan and he'd moved back to Arkansas yeah he didn't just move back he moved back to Searcy I mean like he moved back to the farm literally moved back to the farm and and that was really difficult for me because it made me realize that we were on two different planets um and he was it made me realize one oh my god he can and survive and feel safe and I couldn't do that you know and that made there was you know I was just like that we've always said that's always been there and I don't know, really, I don't think it's a negative feeling, but it, I think it was like a wake-up call. Um, but, you know, he had this calling to go back to God and go back to where he's from. And those two things, not only do they not appeal to me, but those two things are just impossible to me. And um, that's what he needed to do. But also, you know, it's like that, like him becoming born again or whatever and like all of that stuff that didn't, that's not what drove a wedge between us. Him moving back drove a wedge between us because it literally put him 3,000 miles away. And it's you can't be in a band with somebody like that. You can't be in a band that far away. You just can't. It's a, in, like any other long-distance relationship. It just is not going to work out. And, you know, 
and that's what happened. So I, yeah, that was being, you know, gossip breaking up was probably one of the biggest breakups I'll ever have, like ever had, honestly. That was the longest relationship in my life. It was long. It's the longest job in my life. It's like, um, it's the most productive thing I've ever done. It was my entire adulthood, um, you know, my leaving home experience and the only way I'd ever traveled the world. And you, there are these people that you spent literally more time with than anybody else. And, you know, that's just gone. And like, I, you know, I still don't think I really mourned that, but I think a lot of the love songs and sadness are about Nathan. For sure. You can spare me your lies, spare me the details. Don't mention her name. But have a decency to tell me we were lost cause. Is this a losing game? But you were carrying on with guilty pleasures. Was I not? This new record, Fake Sugar, it was very personal. And you talked about how, you know, you were going through this time with your ex-wife and you were processing a bunch of stuff. You were hanging out with your mom and your sister. Um, At the same time as all of this, like, turmoil is kind of happening in America. Did that make its way into into the work? No. Um, Maybe there are things that I haven't realized made it in there yet, but, like, no. I just didn't feel... I think I was just in such a heavy emotional place that it just didn't even register because it was so all-consuming, you know. And that's, that's, I think that's really, that's really what it's about mostly. It's a very self-focused record, and I usually don't do that. But it was like the only place I could be in at the time. And so it just, it kind of took over. Push my buttons, I'll be patient, you can try me, it's just another day in the life. No, you're not getting respect that you deserve, feeling buried alive. This is In and Out from Beth Ditto's first solo album, Fake Sugar. And ah, I am so glad I revisited this episode. And I'm so glad that I watched What Happened Miss Simone with Taylor during that Netflix party. Taylor's actually hosting weekly Netflix parties. Every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Central Time, you can join her and a group of people in watching a different music documentary. This week, they're going to be watching episodes one and two of the series Hip Hop Evolution. You can find details about the Netflix party on the show notes page of this episode at ktx.org or by swiping up on your Apple Podcasts app. You can also find a link to Beth Ditto's Fake Sugar on the show notes page, as well as a Spotify playlist where you can hear all the songs we referenced in this episode all the way through. that's it. You have come to the end of another episode of this song. And this is actually the last episode that we're going to put out for a while. It's the end of our season. We're going to take a break, work on some other projects, 
get our head right during this pandemic. We'll let you know about those other projects when they happen. Until then, you can go back and listen to our archive anywhere that you listen to podcasts or at KUTX.org. You can also check out the station's other podcasts. We've got a hip-hop podcast called The Breaks and this awesome podcast called Song Confessional that has to do with anonymous confessions and original songs by up-and-coming artists. Yeah, you should check it out. This episode was produced by Art Levy and me, Elizabeth McQueen. Thanks to Deidre Gott and Peter Babb and Todd Callahan for all they do for this podcast. And yes, it's true. Our theme song is Mahout by Austin's own Hard Proof. Right on. Thanks for listening. Take care of yourself. Talk to you next time. KUT's next AT Explained live show is April 3rd. Brand new stories about Austin's people, places, and culture told live on stage by your favorite KUT journalists. I've never gotten any specific invites from Steiner Ranch. And that's about the time Charlie chomped down on that chicken. I will hypnotize you into securing my law services. Join us April 3rd at the Paramount Theater for KUT's next AT Explained Live. Tickets are on sale now. Get them at austintheater.org. And we'll see you there.